episode 92 of Friends of Film, a podcast that says new news and theatrical releases. On this episode, we'll cover Justice League's new trailer, a Titanic reunion, Gambit getting another director, and more after you view Blade Runner 2049. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes by searching for Friends of Film. As always, I'm your host, Kip Hood, once again, Jordan Man, questioning his own humanity, Josh Straley. And I am guaranteed to find out eventually. Yeah, hopefully. I Well, I mean, you know what? Uh, I know I'm real because I just watched one of Monster Calls. Oh, yeah? And I felt... Um, it's still so much emotion in that movie, man. But is um, you know, does that even constitute you being human? You, know, you never know. Yeah. It, you know are, what, are your Are your emotions programmed? Were you programmed to <sighs> like that movie and have a... Uh, emotional effect on you no because um, i i was off my baseline and go. i didn't return to it afterwards <laughs> or Alrighty. you know i don't know how baselines work but they, they didn't get i don't know i did like that but we'll get to blade on the 24 9 as i said that's what we're going to be reviewing this yes. week uh very excited to talk about denny villeneuve's latest movie and uh we will definitely be getting into spoilers on this one and once we do there will be a timestamp in the description of this episode so you guys can skip ahead to the news but otherwise we are going to get to the review in a moment. Josh is going to be kicking us off this week. But before mm-hmm. we talk about the sequel, I want to briefly discuss our thoughts on the first movie, kind of understand where each of us were coming from with the first movie when we went into this one. So yeah, uh, for me, I think I saw the first Blade Runner um, about a year and a half ago or so for the <sighs> That's first time. Crazy. Um, and while I've watched it, I watched it again um, you know, two weeks ago in the lead up to Blade Runner, I wanted to watch it again um, for a third time, but it so didn't twice. get to. So I've seen it twice. Okay. Yes. Uh, second time, liked it more because uh, I understood it a little better mm-hmm. uh, than the first time. Which version did you view? The director's cut? Uh, the first time, I think it was the theatrical because I think I remember the voiceover, yeah. but I don't remember specifically if okay. that was the case or not. But this time, I own the final cut. So. Awesome. I, I watched the definitive version, um, improved it for me. I liked it a little bit more than I did the first time. Um, but yeah, so then obviously I was looking forward to the sequel because I, I liked the first film. I liked Denny. I like Ryan. I like Harrison Ford. Good. Um, so that's kind of where I was coming from sure. coming into this one. Okay. Well, I've n- seen the movie, I think probably four times total. Okay. Uh, twice is like a super young kid. Mm-hmm. My dad was such a fan of it. Okay. Like it was Harrison Ford is his guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lo- I mean, he watches Air Force One like anytime. He's just <laughs> out of stuff to do. Uh, but it was very cool. I didn't get what was going on, but I was like, oh, it's kind of like Star Wars, only all about Han Solo. <laughs> right. um, but I revisited it probably back in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I was like, okay, let me try to understand this. And yeah. I watched it, kind of got it, mm-hmm. and then or revisited again, well, last year, I think, or whenever we began talking about this right, right. to catch up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, director's cuts, or the final cut, because like, that's different yes. than director's cut, I yes. guess. Um, and was able to grab the appreciation for the themes of it and just, you know, everything that's actually going on with Deckard. Uh, because I always wondered, what the heck is the unicorn for at the end? Right, you know? yeah. Or what the heck is the unicorn doing in the previous parts mm-hmm. of the film? And, you know, everything like that. So yeah, that's when it finally, like, clicked for me um, on all, of, like, the, the levels, okay? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's probably my favorite Ridley Scott. Okay. Film. 
So yeah, absolutely. So there we go. So how did the sequel hold up? Uh, if Blade Runner, if Blade Runner was a cult classic mm-hmm. in the eighties, Blade Runner twenty forty nine is going to be that again. Uh, probably what the Matrix trilogy was in the early two thousands for a lot of people. Okay. Um, I think a lot of moviegoers today are going to have that same experience. Uh, it, it's my kind of movie, a movie made not for a franchise audience. But for people that want to go appreciate a super sci-fi film, like a cyberpunk, is this cyberpunk, would you say? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Somewhere in that cyberpunk mm-hmm. level. Yeah, it was just it was a movie for fans, but you can actually say at this time it was a good movie for fans. Um, from minute one, we're tossed right back into this 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 futuristic world that's that is i guess blade runner I don't know, that's what i'm yeah. referring to it as i don't know a good uh, term for it and you're in you're enveloped with like this jarring base and all of these futuristic um sort of details and you're back on the beat following agent k hunting down replicants and uh it was a fantastic opening and you never leave the Oh, this is bigger than it. Bigger than um, the, the movie never gets bigger than itself. It never aspires to be anything bigger than itself, and that's perfect. With Denny Villeneuve at the helm, the and Roger Dankins back um, as the cinematographer, mm-hmm. uh, it's just as magnificent visually as the first. Um, I mean, just I watched the first one before I went into the theater, mm-hmm. and I was like, "This still holds up." Oh yeah, tr- magnificently really well. well. And here, Denny um, doesn't he doesn't lean on visual. I mean, heavy CG visual effects. It, there's a physicality to everything, and even the the effects, you know, uh, all the same carry that same sort of style through it. And we get to see a, a similar world. Mm-hmm. but newer as well. It seems sort of cleaned up. It seems a little bit more advanced as yep. they've at least tried to recognize and correct some of the their faults. Um, like the, the world that they're in is, uh, it looks closer to like to destruction than prior yeah. previously, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also it's just sort of like everyone's milling around going about their business and things like that, you know? Um, but the movie follows the, uh, agent K Ryan Gosling and he plays it super well i don't know if is it a spoiler to say what he is i mean it's, it's i don't think it's not because he's he, he's a replicant he, that's the thing at the beginning at least yeah i mean they make that clear at the beginning i mean yeah they don't make that clear in the marketing right um so but it's not shied away from immediately that he yeah. is a replicant who hunts down other replicants yeah, he's, he's a blade runner right and getting kind of getting getting to see how they operate for the first time when they're not off the chain or like loose like we do in the original mm-hmm. was really cool. Like um, like this baseline that they test him with to make sure he's not deviating or thinking about his existence or anything too seriously mm-hmm. uh, was so cool. Um, Jared Leto's Wallace, which is I think the only name he goes by, was terrific. He's this, he's the corporate overlord um, in this film, but he's not zany or wacky or anything like that. He's just he's driven by some kind of Fox fake philosophy and uh, the desire to conquer the stars. Mm-hmm. So his, his aspirations are up front and you're not left wondering about them. The movie has other things for you to think about, which is just lovely. Um, 
and then just seeing Harrison Ford back on screen, uh, he's not in enough films these days. That's and true. him, him with Gosling, one of my favorite working actors right now. The two are just a fantastic duel. Uh, Robin Wright and Gosling are a fantastic duel too. Like their their on screen time together together is great. Um, Anna de Armas is fantastic. Probably one of the best performances in the movie, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, blown away. Um, Sylvia Hoax as Lido's. I think no. the character name's Love. Love, yeah. Love, love. <laughs> yeah, she's number. She's like his number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, to- like totally kick butt. And then the uh, Edward James Olmos comes back yep. for you know a couple, like two minutes or three minutes or yeah. something like that to kind of fill in some plot holes. Uh, not plot holes, but some details from the last film, just mm-hmm. in case you weren't up to it. And that was great. Uh, and as the movie moves along, I was never. My heart, my heart was never racing at any moment in the film up until maybe the final set okay. piece, and that that's the original Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. You're never you're never thrown for a loop. You're just kind of like, okay, let's solve this problem. Let's let, let's let's get on the case, you know. And Denny delivered a perfect film, um, a perfect companion okay. to the original Blade Runner. Um, I do have a couple of complaints, but the, those will come in spoilers. Okay. Uh, but I've only since I've only seen it once, but I'm going to give it a soft five out of five. Okay. Because I was just impressed with. Uh, it was like watching The Force Awakens for the first time. Oh. Um, seeing something That's high that praise. you liked. It is because it's, it's something that I really liked. Being younger, was able to appreciate. Um, later, mm-hmm. you know, with the, with the original trilogy. And now seeing someone pick it up with such great care and intention and work something out like this uh, is is so cool to see done. Mm-hmm. But now you've seen it twice. And yeah. You've got a lot better of a, a feel for the movie. So what you, what is Blade Runner 2049 to you, Cooper? I think the thing that I, I think the best thing I can say about this movie uh, is that it feels just like the first one. It okay. feels... Yeah exactly like a Blade Runner movie, exactly how it should. I even loved kind of the little details that they went to with like the opening logos. Mm-hmm. They like were doing them in this weird way to like make it look like it was in the Blade Runner world and yeah. kind of make it futuristic. Um, but also uh, I loved the way that this world felt new and different, but also the same as the first movie, but also didn't have that like, you know, in a lot of those futuristic movies, it's all polished, um, you know, sets and scenery and right. clothing and everything is just so nice because it's the future. But this mm-hmm. one, it's, it is, it is dark. It is, um, you know, it, it's dirty. It feels lived in. Right. It's, it's a world that you don't really want to be in. Yeah. I think for me, I don't want to live in that world for a variety of reasons, but it's, it's one that is still captivating and one that is interesting. Um, for sure. At, I, th- I think the movie does a really great job. Um, of furthering a lot of the themes that the first movie did, um, and one of the lines I don't I don't think it's really a spoiler to talk about um, that Ryan Gosling says in the movies he says uh, to be born is to have a soul, mm-hmm. and I think that is just a really great through line to be thinking of throughout this movie, even going back to the first Blade Runner, um, just kind of hearkening back to that as they get into a lot of what does it mean to be human? Um, are replicants, you know, human or are they better than humans? Um, there's a lot of different stuff going on there. Uh, that's really interesting to, um, to watch and to pay attention to and to learn about. Um, and I think 
that Gosling is really good in the role of K. He's, he has some a couple of really great scenes, um, and then he also just gets to be there for a lot of the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, and that, I think that's partially because of the, the way his character is drawn up and he's designed and not so much about, about Gosling as a performer. Um, but for me, the, a lot of the standouts came from the female parts. Um, like you mentioned, Ana de Armas, uh, she was incredible as Joy. I mean, right. um, the way her character is utilized in the movie, she is mm-hmm. like this AI that is a hologram and yeah. uh, she can like... A virtual wife girlfriend. Right. Yeah. And I, the way that they shot that and had her interact with Ryan Gosling was mind-blowing because they had to have gone to such insane lengths to film them together at the same time, but they can't touch because yep. she's not actually there. Hologram. And but then they would also have to probably film that scene again so that she can pass through Ryan or that Ryan can pass through her. Right. And just the complications of filming those scenes, I can't yeah. imagine. And then and the, they pulled it off flawlessly. And the subtle parts where she is in frame, but they've also got her um translucent yes. a, a little bit just just very subtly yeah where you just to kind of remind you like yeah she's, she's not, not really there exactly uh, yeah I, yeah i thought that was brilliant but uh even outside of her i thought like sylvia hoax is probably the standout for me she just like commands the screen from the first second she's on there and all the way till the end you're just like really drawn into that character and you want to see more of her. I want to see more of Sylvia Hoax as an actress specifically. Yeah, I know. I said like your it, it beats very uh, it keeps a steady beat, mm-hmm. but the moments where it does bop up and down is when she's uh, you know a, cr- crushing someone's yeah. spine. Oh my goodness! She's like, when she goes at it, but <sighs> then even outside of them, which I think those are probably the the two main um, female parts, okay. and then I mean there's Robin Wright as well as mm-hmm. um, Joshi Joshi. I think Sir character's name. Yeah, I never got um, it, but the commander. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, she was really good as well. But then also like Mackenzie Davis is in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good stuff and limited screen time. Then Carla Jury, my first time seeing her, and she had one of, I think, my favorite scenes between her and Ryan Gosling, which oh, yes. uh, we can get to in spoilers. But uh, that was great. And then Harrison Ford, like you said, he's not in enough movies. I mean, no. he was great in The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. but... Uh, Outside of that, I don't think I've seen him in anything since then. Right. Um, and but like this one, like he just gave it his all. Once he is introduced in this movie, he gets some really pivotal scenes to be a part of, and he probably gives some of the best performance I've seen from Harrison Ford in quite some time. Um, he is he is excellent. Uh, Ryan uh, Jared Leto, as you mentioned, as Wallace, I thought he was really solid. He wasn't over the top and. Um, I mean, he was kind of over the top and creepy in some ass in some moments, but he wasn't distracting. Yes, yes, that's a good way to say. Which it. I thought was the best part about it because maybe I didn't totally, you know, like I heard Denny say that he initially wanted David Bowie for this role um, if he was still around. And I was like, man, Bowie probably that would have been that a really been, interesting choice. Yes. Um, but I think Leto did a really good job outside of all those main cast members. Um, we get appearances from like Wood Harris for like three seconds, David Dasmalchen, who I'm a, I'm a fan of, Dave Batista, Lenny James from The Walking Dead, um, and then the uh, the guy from Captain Phillips, who like each of those guys combined maybe has five minutes of screen time, but like there's such small roles, but because of the actors they bring into them, they just add further credibility to those characters, and you want you're instantly drawn into them, yeah, um, which is great on the casting department, and everything. Uh, 
I thought the score was really solid uh, from uh, Benjamin Wolfich and Hans Zimmer, uh, especially the third act, I think, is what really kicks in um, to the best parts, even though it does get a little loud at points where, oh, like, I love those parts, um, like, even, like, after the movie ended the first time, I saw it with two two buddies, and, like, we could barely talk to each other because the score was still going on, <laughs> the credits were rolling, and we're, yeah. like, shouting, like, hey, what'd you think of this movie? It's right. like, what? It's like... You could tone it down for the credits, um, but that's just like a nitpicky thing. Sure. Uh, as you mentioned, Roger Deakins, the cinematography in this movie, the, the way the sets are designed, uh, mm-hmm. the colors, everything pops. Everything is beautiful. And the yeah. sets, like you mentioned, he like Denny doesn't work with a lot of CG in this movie. I think there's there's some where like they're flying through the city. You can tell those are, I mean, that's right. obviously CG yes. stuff, but like every major set piece is an actual set piece. And that is in today's day and age, it's, it is kind of mind blowing to experience that and realize that this is all really happening. Yeah. Vice news has a really great, um, set visit where they, they just look at everything that they put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the, the junkyard scene being the big piece oh, yeah. that they get to take a look at. And, uh, that, oh man, that yeah. set is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a long movie. I think, uh, there are some pacing issues, which, I mean, Denny is typically a slow burn director. So I was kind of expecting that going in, especially uh, even more so after, you know, seeing Blade Runner a couple more times. That is the first one to slow burn. Why would the second one not be? Yeah. But I think it had some lulls. Uh, maybe you could trim down a couple of scenes and kind of get things moving a little quicker to get from point A to point B to point C to point Z by the time we end this movie, because there's a lot of stop and goes. There's a lot of different points in trying to solve this mystery that we have to get to um but on a second viewing I'll, i think the movie went by a little quicker so maybe as more viewings those pacing issues and maybe dips in the story uh momentum won't bother me as much okay but for right now because of that um maybe because some story beats as well I'm gonna get four and a half ticket stubs out of five okay yeah um i was going to dig the what is it 150 minute runtime uh, it's two hours, two forty-three. Yeah. Okay. I was going to dig that for a moment and then I kind of thought about it more and more. And, and I don't know if this came in your second viewing, but since we don't get to visit blade, the world of blade runner often, mm-hmm. you're okay I, to live in it a little I longer. Were okay, I was okay to stop and take a look at the world around mm-hmm. me a little bit more. That's, Some of the inconsequential yeah. things that mm-hmm. could have been pulled or removed. Um, I was, I was okay with. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that that's totally understandable. And like I said, the second viewing it didn't hurt as much. Good. Um, so maybe on a third and fourth viewing, which I'll I'm definitely eager to see. I I want to see it again, um, just to view it another time because right. it is such a beautiful movie to look at. Um, but also just to experience it again. Um, so yeah, I think it's four and a half ticket stubs. Okay, cool. I'd probably give awesome. it a, a slight edge over the original personally. I think yeah. I like it just All a little right. bit more. Um. But yeah, that's Blade Runner. But you've also you also give Force Awakens over <laughs> some of the that's original true. films. That's too. true. That is that's so. very true. So maybe it's just a recency bias. Do you yeah, know? you possibly. never know. Um, but let's get into spoilers yeah. on Blade Runner wow. twenty forty nine. So this if you worth- have if you have not seen Blade Runner, definitely turn away. Especially if you're going to see this, because mm-hmm. we're going to spoil stuff that are. Um, definitely twists and turns in this movie that you may or may not see coming yeah um so from here on out spoilers on blade run 2049 in this part of the story is where the movie cuts its teeth and i think it really 
makes itself, you know, a great, a truly great film after okay. everything else around it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I where, I mean, where do we start? First of all, I First guess off, Agent K. Or, uh, well, we can, we'll get yeah. Okay. First, I just want to say movies movies need to stop killing Robin Wright. Like, Pl- yes, it's, come on, Wonder Woman now Blade Runner. Can we just not have Robin Wright in a movie for the full thing? Let her have a happy life. She is just as popular as Kevin Spacey on House of Cards, okay? Yes. And she has the they have polling data to back this up, all right? I'm ready for a Robin Wright movie to be led by her. Yep. I was I was so angry when uh Hoax Love killed yeah. the captain. Uh, now I will I will, it was I will a great say scene. I giggled at part of the scene too where she uses the the depth sensing facial recognition. Kind, right, of, that was. kind of cool that iPhone came out with that like a little bit ago or whatever, but yeah. She just like drops her head just on the table. drops the head. I, yeah. I laughed there. It's a comedic okay. moment, I think. Um, yeah. As well as when Ryan, I laughed, another moment I laughed though was when Ryan Gosling is speaking to one of the data analysts mm-hmm. at Walls Corporation and he's like, he, the, the analyst is saying, yeah, it was really bad when the blackout happened that we lost all of my family photos. Yeah. He's, he's like, like, oh, bet like, you're really adorable. <laughs> yeah. And the guy's bald with yeah. like bloodshot eyes and things like that. It was, it, it was a really good moment. Yeah. Um, One of yeah some of the few comedic beats I think in this movie, uh, it's not much, but yeah, let's get into agent K. Uh, so do we jump to his conflict then right away? <sighs> sure. Okay. Well, agent K is, K is part of his serial number. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a replicant. Um, until he gets on um, the beat, that'll lead him to Deckard. Yes, uh, because what what plays out is a continuation of the original Blade Runner, where Deckard and Rachel um, have a child together. Yes. Now I don't know. It, it still remains unanswered if Decker is an actual replicant or not. Yeah, it, it is not answered. Which I loved and appreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, Decker's age, so you know maybe that lends itself to some credibility, or right, possibly what, not. Right, but was he? I mean, just a new, a newer model that has like the no life expectancy, um, right? Stuff, and obviously there's the unicorn mm-hmm. in the first movie, which is I think the illusion that he he would be a replicant. Otherwise, yeah. it's just a coincidence, right? Um, at that point for almost, but yeah, I think, yeah, like, like you said, the movie plays out in kind of this hunt for this miracle baby right. that came from Deckard, from Rachel, that Gosling kind of stumbles apart uh, upon that it even exists. Yep. And then, um, Joshy wants it, but then also Wallace finds out about it. And so it's, it's two conflicting parties and the LAPD, they want to find it so they can kill the baby so that they can't so that nobody can figure out how replicants can produce by themselves because then they'll take over the number of humans yep. um, which is ironically what Wallace wants to do Wallace wants to figure out how to let the replicants produce themselves cuz he says I can only make so many right and if we want to conquer the galaxy and conquer the universe mm-hmm. then we need a million replicants to become a billion to become a trillion and to keep growing. Yeah, he has a good line where he says, "We've conquered dozens of stars." Or we've we've conquered nine. We've oh conquered yes, conquered nine. A child can a child can count to nine on their fingers. Yeah, was, like was, why have we not gone farther? I thought right. that was a great. Yeah, moment. it was a moment that spoke to like his corporate ambition versus like and and some kind of like 
you know, where they say like the Silicon Valley joke is let's make the world a better place. Right. It's like, no, you're just trying to make money guys. Come on. I mean, you're helping, but mm-hmm. also you're making money. And that was like a really good blending of two extremes there. Right. But yeah, back to it. Um, and along his journey, Case starts to notice some similarities. Um, one being that one of the memories he th- believes he's been implanted with mm-hmm. corresponds to a date. Yes. The, the death date and birthday of the child in question Mm -hmm. and with joy right there alongside of him, Anna uh, de Armes, Mm -hmm. um, he starts to believe that's him, especially when he's able to locate, locate the horse figure. Yeah. The the horse figurine that he has as a child. And to the movie's credit, you are sold Mm -hmm. a million percent on it. Yes. I was like, oh, this is a really great story twist. It's taking the original Blade Runner with the question of, is Deckard a replicant? Saying, no, Gosling is a replicant. Now he's a human. And I was like, oh, this is a great turn, right. you know, turn around on it. And I guess I'm going to go ahead and jump a little bit further mm-hmm. and say, we then learned that he's not. That he's not, yeah. Which I thought was, the first time it bothered me a little bit because... Mm-hmm. It was one of those scenarios we're building up the whole time as it's Gosling's movie. It's it's his it's his character trying to basically find his his father, yeah, um, and get some legitimacy and figure out that he was you know a, a miracle replicant birth, mm-hmm. um, figure out how that happened and stuff. And so then when they pulled the rug out from under me, I was like, oh man, yeah, that's disappointing, right? But it's also it's very. Dark Knight Rises E yeah. in the Talia Ghoul twist, Talia Ghoul Bane twist. Um, and I think it, it worked better for me on a second viewing for sure. Absolutely. Uh, well, not on second viewing, but yeah, I just, I liked it yes. initially. And when you get told this, um, gosh, I can't think of the actress's name that's telling him. Um, the, uh, the memory maker? Not the memory maker, the underground replicant leader. Oh, yeah, I can't remember. All right. I, I didn't write her name down either. She's, oh, well, dig into that real quick. <laughs> okay. Um, but she's get, he gets told this by her, and Gosling's reaction is, you know, he's just devastated mm-hmm. because he'd come, he'd been looking for purpose in his life. He'd been living, you know, his baseline is just answer, do, 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 without question. Yep. He, he's been made to obey. Uh, and it's funny that I watched enemy right before this because i think there's similar themes mm-hmm. in there but he's he only starts to become erratic when he starts to believe that he's special in some kind of way and then when he gets told that you just watch gosling you know, the character of k just lose everything right and it, it's a great shot too because you don't even get to see his face it's all it's all body language right because right. it's it's from the it's from the side he's covered in shadow mm-hmm. and across from him is um it, the character's name is Fraza. Fraza, thank uh, you played by Hiam abbas yeah she kills um, it too she, by the yeah way. she has loved the the uh the way that they like she took out her own eyes that mm-hmm. way people can't check to see if you're a replicant or not yep. i thought that was that was a that was a great little added added moment to her. And character. they don't mention it either. They just mm. you just kind of gotta have to look at it and say, "Well, why? oh okay." Yeah, cause she's like, oh, "I bet you want me to look up to the left, right?" And it's right. just she can't. Yeah. just skin, <laughs> it, no eyeball. And it's and they don't like tell you that. It's just like, look, it's it's gone. Like mm-hmm. get 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 used to it. Right. <laughs> um, and then she just kind of like says, 
oh, we all thought, all of us here, mm-hmm. and then she's surrounded by replicants, and she tells us to him, we all thought right. we were the ones too. Which is, which is a, that was a weird moment because earlier on in the movie, we see um, Freza talk to Mackenzie Davis's character mm-hmm. and a couple other um, pleasure replicants, I think is what they go by yeah. in the first movie. Um, but when they, when um, she when Mackenzie Davis goes up to Gosling to talk to him and try to figure out what he knows, uh, like that's when joy, uh, joy's like little stick thing, like buzzes in and she's like, Oh, uh, you don't like real girls, which at that point I was like, I thought that meant that Mackenzie Davis was a human. Okay. Um, so then when she was there, I was like, and they, they don't really explain it. So it could be that she is a human and she's on the side of replicants, which mm-hmm. I think would be an interesting, you know, yeah. layer to delve into if this movie right. you know if this universe gets another um another story told or not but sure. uh, I, I liked that just further added you know uncertainty right yeah i think perhaps is because of the joy like uh, artificial intelligence it was, yeah it was like a real it's like a blending of her and siri all together it was, yeah. it was really cool um we're so prevalent that there was the artificial intelligence versus like if she is a replicant, quote unquote, flesh and blood. Type right. Of yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. Um, but that whole, that, that brings up like one of the first themes of the movie. I think that's where it's laid bare uh, most prominently. And uh, it, was, it was a really, it was a very Denny theme, I think, like to have that kind of laid out there mm-hmm. and to see like, oh, a lot of, a lot of us. Because replicants are really a stand-in for people, mm-hmm. if you will, um, looking for purpose. And when you think you found it, eventually you're going to get knocked down and find out, oh, there are thousands of other people, you know, that are looking for the same thing or thinking the same right. thing. And then eventually he gets the the kick in the butt to get back up and get mm-hmm. back out there. But uh, that was like, you know, the movie Laying Bear, like one of its first themes. And I just... Uh, I really loved that story plot yeah. uh, and everything about it um, for the movie. Mm-hmm. But the twist being that he's not it and who really is the miracle yeah. child is uh, probably I don't know, had to be on the second viewing. Was that even more, was that even cooler to watch? Yeah, it was. Gosling have his, his memory laid bare and her mm-hmm. react to yeah, it. Because and- the first time it was just a great moment because we see basically Kay goes to this memory maker who's supposedly the best memory maker because she just has this imaginative personality and she can just make great memories for replicants to be um, implanted with. So that way they have some sort of you know childhood or past before their, their creation date. Yeah. And when he goes there, he he's going there after figuring out after finding um the the horse mm-hmm. for real in real life and not just having it as a memory he goes there and is asking her how can you tell if a memory is real or not or if somebody actually lived this or if this is an implant and she's like oh there's a little bit of an artist in in every there's a little bit of an artist in every um creation yeah or there's it's her line is something there's a little bit of creator that. in every creation yeah and we get to see this like this really cool technology that allows her to view the memories of others mm-hmm. with Kay sitting down and she's like, okay, don't think hard. Just think about the memory and I'll be able to see it. And she gets this instant reaction, um, which on the first viewing, you're just like, Oh, it's just because Empathy. she, yeah, it's yeah. just because she cares. It's like, 
you know, it's similar to like X-Men first class when um, Professor X can see inside of Magneto's uh, memories and Mm -hmm. see that I think it's a birthday as well um, in that scene with his mother and that. So then, you know, they're both crying there. But in this one, it's Carla Jury's character and she is just starts. She starts welling up. She starts crying. Uh, instantly really early on in the memory and you're just like oh yeah like she just she feels for him like that's just a terrible memory for anybody to have and she can sense the loneliness and she can sense um all the things he's feeling but then on the second few when you're watching you're like she she hits her so quickly because it's actually her memory and because she is the miracle child right um which i thought would i think is a great way to go about it Mm -hmm. um just it's just it's so good yeah absolutely and uh i'm gonna gonna jump a little farther ahead here and just say that eventually gosling tracks down deckard and it makes Mm -hmm. for one of the best bro um buddy comedy moments or buddy cop comedy moments uh of the film with him and gosling together in vegas yeah but eventually deckard gosling brings deckard to the memory maker, uh, to Jury's character. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of like, uh, I mean, it, I'm, I'm not sure. It was sort of like the door, it's sort of like the end of the first Blade Runner, just mm-hmm. where the look on Deckard's face um, in both instances is just like, uh, Harrison Ford is portraying this like, grim- like grimace behavior, and then all of a sudden, oh, a moment of clarity and a moment of joy. Mm-hmm. And both of those... And as she's, we don't get to see what happens afterwards, but she's, um, jury's walking up to the containment field because mm-hmm. she's kept, wherever she's kept. And you're just like, oh, that's beautiful. And yeah. then, it, uh, then with Ryan Gosling outside, just looking up into the snow, contemplating everything that had just happened to him. Was, right. Uh, well, like, it's also like all of that kind of like makes it seem like he's dying because he's previously been shot mm-hmm. in his, um, final fight with love. Um, but it's also this really interesting, like, thematic stuff where he's laying down watching the snow hit him, watch the snow hit him, but then inside in the memory maker, she is doing something with snow as well. So, like, does that mean anything? I don't know. Mark Millar has this really interesting theory that Kay is actually a figure of Deckard's imagination and that it's, like, all of Kay's stuff is a memory for Deckard leading him to his daughter, mm. uh, which is, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I can buy that theory. It's, it's, okay. it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but it's an interesting one. Um, but like I mentioned in the non-spoiler section, the, the Carla jury and Ryan Gosling memory scene was my favorite of the movie. I think because of his visceral the, reaction. Yeah, yeah. Because she is so emotional, but then he also has that same emotion. So subtly you can just see him tensed up, but then right after that scene ends, he has to go to his baseline and that whole time he is just like teeth clenched, like nervous, like he's just on the edge of a breakdown. Mm-hmm. And like I'm just like, man, Gosling is killing it right now, and I love it. Yeah. Um, and I wish he kind of had a little bit more chances to emote like that throughout the uh, rest of the movie, but it came in spurts where I think Gosling really got to show off why he is one of the best working actors currently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, gosh, yeah. Uh, that moment, and then as well when he's, on the beat for the child and just before he starts to truly believe himself that he is the kid, uh, he's looking for sales records from, I think, is it Lenny's character? Is that who that uh, is? Yeah, the, um, yeah. 
Yeah. The, the orphanage right. um, runner. And he finds the pages missing because mm-hmm. they've covered their, whoever hid the kid covered their tracks yep. incredibly well. And we get a scene from that's in the, displayed in the trailers, but him just quaking with frustration and a little bit of anger, you know, right. um, on it. And that was a great, another subtle moment too. And that happens right just, before he goes to find the figure, right? Yeah. So it's just a kind of a great building um, moment 4K to kind of have these emotional, like almost breakdowns as he's trying to piece together his history and who he actually yeah. is. And I was, and it's just, uh, and it kind of, this is what really made me love the movie so much. It's because <laughs> there are, there is brilliant acting, actors, actresses across this entire movie. And it never, it never tries to be Transformers. It never right, tries, yeah. to, it never tries to be the Matrix. I mean, there's not a comparable movie uh, series or franchise out right now that looks like this. Yes. It's just a bunch of great people, you know, who who somehow conned uh, a movie studio to fork up $150 million <laughs> to kind of complete a, a science fiction uh, fan's fantasy. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I just, I'm blown away by it. Yeah. Um, we're already getting pretty long on this, but uh, just a couple, like, questions that it poses, this movie mm-hmm. poses that I really loved. The, I mean, the the biggest theme is can you trust your memories? Because Gosling's dealing with that throughout the whole thing. Of are these memories his? Or are they not? Um, are these memories implanted? And just kind of, kind of just testing everybody in the movie of, you know, are you real or are you not? And again, it plays off the humanity themes of the first movie. Mm-hmm. But I also loved in I think Harrison Ford's best scene when he gets to see uh, when he's sitting down with Wallace and he brings in a new version of Rachel. Yeah. Um, and the instant emotional reaction Harrison Ford has, um, I think it's one of his best moments in years, but also they did a great job with the de-aging tech. I don't know how they pulled it off. If they just did a, like a face mapping thing with a new stand in actress or what the case is, but that was one of the best examples I've seen of putting a younger person's face on either somebody else's body or de-aging um, the original Rachel down back to her age in the the 1980s. Um, But in that moment, there's the great part where right before Rachel walks back up to Deckard, Wallace is kind of of probing him a little bit and being like, have you never thought about how coincidental it is that you – yeah. fell in love with Rachel right from the start. Don't mm-hmm. you ever think that you were programmed in, to meet her and then in that moment instantly fall for her? Yeah. And it's like, man, that's just like another great layer to add to the right. whole and, is he a replicant debate. But even outside of that, just like is, did he choose to love her or was he made to love her? Yeah. Or then and it's also inje- it's injecting um, some past into the other movie too. Like, mm-hmm. or maybe – Deckard was set if, if he's human he was set yeah he was set up to go there and fall yeah. for her and you know it, all sorts of these things yeah but yeah what I don't know if Sean Young came back to do anything for this or not to get Rachel right for mm-hmm. that you know that scene but yeah that was that was super good but mm-hmm. then also with Harrison's reaction too, something that could be very thematic as well I don't know mm-hmm. but him having like you know all of his happiness right there everything that he gave up his life for 
um, and then realizing that it's a copy mm-hmm. with the eyes yeah. and, you know, Her that whole thing, right, yeah. not brown. And I was like, oh, that's that's such a hair. That's such a cool Harrison thing. And then mm-hmm. uh, I was surprised how that scene continued because love just <laughs> they show they don't show it. I mean, cause uh, it's, it's masked in shadows sure. a bit, but they just let it fall to the floor. And I was like, wow, that was a very rated R thing. To yes, go. it was. And like they def- they definitely earned that already moments in some of the more violent sections of the movie, whether it's Gosling doing some gun action or the opening fight between him and Batista, mm-hmm. the way uh, Love kills David Dostbalchin is super violent. And you can just see his eye just like all bloody and really gross. Um, yeah. And then even more so in the final fight uh, between Kay and Love, which I that was, that was a great moment in the movie yep. because the stakes were there, but it also, it wasn't one of those big epic third act fights that yeah. we get in a lot of blockbusters. It's just mono mono replicant versus replicant and mm-hmm. then like hoax almost wins and she's just like i'm the best yeah and you're like like it, it's it's a great little moment because like it feels like that whole time she's trying to prove because maybe she also believes that he's the miracle baby mm-hmm. or just because she just wants to be the best replicant possible but yeah. she's just like you like i'm the best one right you can't stop me but then it like obviously it comes back around and gosling and ultimately gets the upper hand but a uh, lot of great moments in that final fight oh, for sure uh, especially uh just because like, i thought gosling had like done his job because he's like oh he's gonna drown and then we'll win and that was gosling's plan the whole time right and i was like oh that was super smart of you dude but then uh, he's like oh wait now i gotta get back out there and see yeah. him but uh yeah um fantastic yeah um last couple things uh right. award possibilities like we talked about before we started recording this movie will have a difficult time probably making a profit at the box office because of its budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only projected to make $31.5 million opening weekend. Um, so do you think that because of all the money they've already put into this and because of the great reviews it's already gotten, because of the people attached, do you see it having any potential to be like a Mad Max Fury Road and be kind of the bigger blockbuster that pulls in a lot of technical achievement awards but also maybe makes a case for best picture or best director i think you know i i haven't there's a lot still to come yes in for oscar season but this this could i believe it will just crush design cinema awards Mm -hmm. cinematography awards um sound editing and mixing is i think it's probably a lock for those already for nominations or for wins? Noms and probably wins. I still think Dunkirk may have them beat there. No, that's gosh, the sound. Oh my goodness! Still so great. I don't even know what the yeah. yeah. Oh man, it's 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 definitely a nom. It's definitely a nom for a, a, a ton of categories. Mm-hmm. I, I personally, um, but I could see it sneak in there um, for best picture because yeah. it went, a nom anyway. Yes. Because there's like, what, 10, 12 noms now? There's technically 10 possible nominees, but really yeah. it's nine because right. it has to be like some really weird mathematical mm-hmm. thing. But like, yes. it has to be like six ties or something for a 10th movie to get in or whatever. So, like, it's right. really nine or more realistically eight slots. But um, because of the praise it's gotten from critics and stuff, and yeah. because I think it's going to be a movie that's revered in the film community, I definitely could see other directors, other actors. Um, other writers and stuff nominating this for various awards. Um, I've seen some people suggest maybe Harrison Ford could get a best supporting 
oh. nomination? Do you think he would deserve it? No, he don't, he doesn't deserve it. Okay, but he is fantastic in it. He is. I just think there's a there's a ton of other people out there that how, should get a supporting actor nom mm-hmm. that putting Ford in there would be all nostalgia, sure, which could play into yeah. it. But I mean, we you know. I mean, not taking anything away from Sylvester Stallone because I thought he was great in Creed. Yeah, but I think it was part of the comeback train that mm-hmm. also pushed him into the Oscar race for sure. and stuff for for that role as well. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, we could talk about this movie for probably another 30 minutes to an hour because there's still a lot of stuff to break down out of characters. What yes. happened with the blackout? What did the sheep origami, um, <laughs> from almost his character even mean? Right. Uh, cause it never factors in the movie at all. I don't believe, but and then there's also more replicant stuff we get into, but, uh, I think we're going to cut it there for me. That's all my thoughts. Do you have anything else you want to get to? I just want to note that I'm actually glad it's going to have to desperately claw its way to profitability because you don't want to see another one because i don't want to see another one okay because there were these winks and nods from a greater sony warner brothers joint venture Mm -hmm. to franchise this thing into a rise of the replicants right type story which would, Um, would be interesting it would be interesting but i just i think that's ultimately against what the blade runner films are supposed to be about and I think it would ruin it. So yeah. I'm glad at least there's going to be a lot of serious thinking before they, <laughs> they dive back in. Yeah, maybe we'll have to wait another 30 years before we get Blade Runner 2079. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like I said, that's all we got for Blade Runner 2049. We'll be right back in a bit with the news. And we're back with the news, and as always, we're going to start off with some new trailers we got this week, including our second look at Josh's most anticipated movie the rest of the year, yeah. Molly's Game. Yes, yes, What did yes. you think of this and one? I'm justified. Yeah. This movie was Sorkin through and through, but it was also fun, mm-hmm. and it hit all the beats that I was worried about the first one missing. Um, uh, you know, I noticed it was funny that they left Steve Jobs off of his resume at the beginning of the film. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the flop. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, the, be- the most notable part, the most fun line too, is when Molly is speaking to, it looks like an attorney or mm-hmm. some kind of, uh, poker lawyer, gaming, um, lawyer, whatever the case is. And she's like, we're not breaking the law, are we? And he goes, no, no, not really. He's like, well, we're able to find <laughs> right. out, right? Laws are written down. Yeah. That is such a Storkin line. Um, like, I just imagine Bradley Whitford. I'm sure Bradley Whitford from West Wing like said that at least four or five times. <laughs> uh, it's just so good. It's like you know, the idea of I guess is just not good enough because they're professionals. Yeah. Uh, Kedri- Kevin Costner, Idris Elba, looking phenomenal. I, I really think um, we're gonna see uh, Jessica Chastain get some kind of Oscar nom out of this because it just. Yeah, uh, this was this was the movie I th- I wished was up front in that first trailer. Okay. That first trailer was just so bad. This oh. is this is the one that should have been out there, and I'm I'm so stoked, and I'm glad that uh, the early reviews for it, at least the headlines of them, mm-hmm. I haven't read them, are yes. good, uh, and I'm stoked to see it play out. Did right. You, I don't know, but you were kind of in the middle on the last trailer, weren't you? You said uh, it good. Well, but- I, yeah, I I liked it. I'm a, more than you because you hated the first trailer yeah. apparently. Um, but yeah, I thought this one was kind of more the same. Felt fun. I think Chastain looks great in the role. 
Um, I do almost feel like I've seen the whole movie um, based on this trailer because it, 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 it lays out the plot really, I think, clearly in terms of how it's going to happen. And right. um, I still I don't know for sure if they're going to do the they're going to start with Chastain and Elba talking and then they're going to flash back and forth between as he reads through her book or something. Mm-hmm. But he, even if they don't, then like that line where she's just like, I'm going to skip to the end like that that feels like a weird placement to have in the movie, um, which makes me kind of think that it is going to be the back and forth narrative, Oh, sure. um, which could work. Uh, I'm not totally against it, but uh, I do feel like not even knowing really all the details of Molly's uh, Molly Bloom's story. I feel like I've got most of them by now in the trailers. So I'm, I'm kind of just waiting to see the movie to figure out what other details they left out. Um, but I, even if the story, I may know where the story is going. I don't think that's going to hurt the quality of the film. So I'm right. um, still looking forward to it. Just maybe I'm not as much as you. Obviously. Okay. No, fair um, enough. but one of the movies that snuck into our top 10 most anticipated for the rest of the year list was Roman Israel esque. And we got our first trailer this week for the movie that follows up Nightcrawlers. Um, I'm totally blanking on his name right now. And I can't, can't re- Dan Gilroy. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Dan Gilroy uh, following up. His directorial debut with Nightcrawler, this time is pairing up with Denzel Washington, Colin Farrell. And this one had a way different tone than I was expecting. It was it was it was jazzy. Yeah, it was jazzy. A little it was, bit it was, dark. It was fun. Um and I think that's kind of where I'm I'm a little iffy on this trailer. Same here. Because I thought after seeing Nightcrawler and being a huge fan of it, mm-hmm. I wanted Gilroy to dive into the gray areas of working with the law. Um and I thought Denzel was a great choice to be that character. So to have them maybe do more of a upbeat, oh, it's not really that bad sort of thing. I don't know if that's going to work as well. Yeah. Um, so I'm intrigued even more so, but maybe a little less confident in the quality. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, like I love the character right off the top, a former civil rights attorney who's like, you know, finding himself closer and closer out of work. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's kind of a dream reality, right? But then, you know, he stumbles into a, the abuse of attorney-client privilege made me laugh like a ton here. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, he's like, I'm going to help you out, man, but you just got to let me know where the money is. Or he just uses it and starts to basically go. It looks like he goes on a pretty big spending spree for himself. Like, ah, that that could be really cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know that the, the jazz, the jazzy beat of this movie, the, the tone of the trailer, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. not the movie. Um, makes me think. Oh, what's Gilroy got up his sleeve here? Because Nightcrawler is not like this at all. So he's definitely stepping out, and I'm gonna trust him because mm. I didn't think Nightcrawler looked that good in the yeah. trailers. I I didn't watch it until about a year later. So it's got Colin Farrell in there as well as Denzel, and I'm I'm gonna just gonna trust him on this one. Okay. Um. Because I can't remember the last time I've seen a terrible Denzel Washington film. Right. I mean, even like Fences, which last year I didn't, I didn't love. I didn't really think deserved all the Oscar love that it got. Still a, still a fine movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, Denzel's always good. Watching so. pros work. Uh, I mean, watching him and Viola Davis, you know, in that movie. was Watching pros be able to do that. Yeah. Phenomenal. Uh, and so hopefully that's the same thing here. Right. But moving away from Oscar hopefuls into some big budget franchises yes we got our first look at pacific rim uprising this week uh we i don't 
Have we ever talked about Pacific Rim on the pod before? I think we've cut it a, a dozen times other than maybe <laughs> uh, John Boyega's casting in it. Right, maybe. So wh- kind of like what we do with Blade Runner, what did you think of the first one? Um, and then what did you think of this trailer? I, I thought it was a fun mess. You know, it was just like, this is not my alleyway of movies, but right. I loved it more than Transformers. Okay. Well, the one, I The do. one you've seen. Yes, I've loved it. <laughs> I, li- I like it more than... Uh, the Transformer movie I have now seen. Um, and that said, I really dug this trailer. Okay. But what about you? Uh, for me, I liked the first Pacific Rim movie. Okay. Didn't love it. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's easy forgettable. I don't remember much of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, for the trailer at least, uh, you mentioned Transformers, and it kind of looks like a Transformers movie. Um, uh, not really, though. I mean, it has like the big epic th- destruction. I mean, yes, there's the kaiju, which is obviously a big difference than right. you know robots fighting robots, but it had the glossier color. It had the big action mm-hmm. of a Transformers movie, um, which made me a little nervous. Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't love the trailer. Uh, I wanted to really like it. No, I think it's just I think it's just like okay, okay. I'll I'll, I'll say that, but no, this is actually a great trailer. Okay, this is actually this is actually the best trailer we're talking about today. Ooh. Um, because none of these other Even, trailers, okay. none of these other trailers have a Tupac song in them. That's uh, scoring true. it, okay. Uh, and it just looks like loads of fun. There's no self serious tone here, other than what the actors have to do to get you to buy into the film. Right, you know what I'm saying. Uh, everyone is just charging into fighting monster aliens from the sea mm-hmm. and they're loving it they're having a heck of a time doing it uh, and i think it's just that is that's what i want to see with these movies um transformers has been self-serious and been like listen these these autobots are real things that, right. that are going to come someday this is like this is totally you know out there and ridiculous mm-hmm. and we're loving every second of it Okay, I mean, um, I, the one thing I did love, I loved the new Jaegers. Oh, the yeah. The way they have different ones with, mm-hmm. it, like, I think it's Scott Eastwood and John Boyega team up together and have, like, the one that had, like, two swords and they could put together and have one. The one had, like, a chain and a ball that yeah. had, like, spikes all over it. The right. other one had, like, an electronic whip. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested to see how all of those different uh, different uh, Jaegers work together right. um, and maybe... Do they make a, a mega Jaeger to fight? Because there's there's clearly right. the kaiju that shows up at the end of the trailer is way bigger than any of the any of the Jaegers. So mm-hmm. I don't how they're going to defeat that. I yeah. think it'll be interesting to find out. And it'll be super. It'll be super epic to see. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think the the biggest trailer of the week, whether or not you think it's the best one or, right. or not, yeah, was for Justice League. Mm-hmm. We got what should be our final trailer today as recording we delayed recording a day so we could talk about just League trailer uh, instantly basically and it surprised me oh because we didn't see superman we for for real okay yeah. because it opens and i thought for sure because this, this trailer opens with the they make it seem like it's a dream sequence is it a dream sequence mm-hmm. who knows um of Henry Cavill's Clark Kent slash Superman standing in the cornfield, Lois Lane walking out and seeing him and talking about the wedding ring that she's wearing and stuff. And I was like, and then the next minute is all build up of how Superman's gone, how the Justice League needs to form to honor Superman and save the world because Superman can't. And I was like, they're, yeah. they're building to it. They're building to the big reveal. Right. And it didn't happen. Yeah. And I was like, wow, hats off to you, Warner Brothers, because uh-huh. you didn't do it. I 
didn't think you could do it. And maybe you'll spoil it in the coming TV spot and stuff. And maybe this mm-hmm. isn't the final trailer. But for now, I, st- I have to applaud them for not showing arguably the biggest superhero of all time right. in the in their biggest DC movie of all time. Yeah, this trailer actually made me forget that the last one under, I guess, Zack Snyder's helming, mm-hmm. I guess we, we would say probably, yeah. uh, did tease someone. Yes. But, yeah, they didn't go all the way. Mm-hmm. And that is that is beyond mind-blowing. But other than Cavill not being in this, mm-hmm. tra- well, Superman he, not yeah. being in this trailer, um, what did you think of it as a uh, whole? As a whole? I thought it was a fun trailer. Um, even though Superman's not in it, he's clearly going to be important in the movie. Yeah. Um, I still am curious because they're not really showing how this whole movie comes together. We see bits and pieces of action set pieces and the league forming, but since we still don't, since we still haven't seen Superman, we haven't got really any real hints towards him that are definitive. Yes, here's how he comes back in, and here's when. You know where the big red sky battle takes place is that the final battle. Um, you know, there's also like you know, the shots of like um, Batman's um, plane, like yeah. approaching this like huge bubble structure. What's it protecting? Is that like a mother box thing? Is that Steppenwolf's um, you know main base of operations that he has set up? I don't know, and I think that's an interesting thing because I don't know how this movie's gonna right. really play out. So there's again, mystery. I kind of have to give a tip of the hat to Warner Brothers for not really showing too much of how this movie is going to play out. Um, but really, the big standout is Jason Momoa again. He looks like he's just having a blast yeah. with this movie. He's screaming. Right. Uh, he's falling through the sky, getting caught by cyborg, mm-hmm. and thrown through buildings and at parademons. And yeah. uh, every time he's on screen, I think it's uh, it's going to be a blast. It makes me even more excited for his solo movie. So yeah, uh, that's he's- a plus. He's the he's the jarring difference. Well, you know him and him and Flash both. I think are the jarring differences, um, because they are they are so much of what Godot, Batman, and Cyborg appear not to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least in terms of experience and emotional weight that they've had to deal with in past films and things like that. Uh, so yeah, when you see Momoa just like out there for sport. As it seems, you know, that's like I giggle every time the camera goes on him, just kind of like an involuntary action. But he hasn't done anything yet, Mm -hmm. which I'll laugh at too. But it's just kind of like, oh, there's a there's a Hawaiian surfer guy, you know, (laughs) on there, uh, ready to do whatever. Uh, But then, um, Flash, his visuals are so cool and such a great take. Mm -hmm. Not a streak of red flying across it's a bolt of energy right static that he's leaving behind and it's not it's not like a continuous it's like yeah points every time he like changes direction almost yeah it's almost like this like little orb of uh, um of energy mm-hmm. fluxing across places like that's how fast he's moving the yeah. speed of light uh and that is such a great take on him and i mean i'm appreciating little things here but i dug the trailer mm-hmm. ultimately it's unremarkable i mean you do see some certain things but mm-hmm. a lot of it is actually things we've seen before right it's kind of like extensions of scenes we've seen before yes. so it's i mean yeah i agree it's not terribly exciting like no. I've, I've seen some people like oh they say the best trailer for us i mean none I, of it I, yeah. yeah i, I wouldn't, wouldn't agree with that but i wouldn't give any of these trailers actually like the best part 
but the first one that they debuted at Comic-Con. The Comic-Con one, this year or the one last year? Last year. Yeah. I'll have to watch that one again. I like I liked the one they did this year at Comic-Con because that was the one that teased right. the ending. So, um, yeah. I it, All that's left now is to go see the movie. Um, I, but I think I think Josh Whedon and the, the Zack Snyder tag team here, despite how fragmented it mm-hmm. possibly was, uh, is going to turn out a movie akin to Wonder Woman. Um, at, least, so. at least in terms of enjoyability. Sure. But we, we will we'll argue that. To infinity, I'm right. sure. And I mean, I think that's the big thing. If this movie, even if it has its flaws, if it's still an enjoyable movie, that is still maybe it's the popcorn movie the yeah. of the late year, then it'll still come out as a win. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not, you know, the critic, like as long as this thing is, I think, fresh and Rotten Tomatoes to yeah. some degree, Warner's going to be happy. Right. <clears throat> so I, I hear you. Yeah. Um, but let's move on from Justice League to the Dark Universe, which <laughs> may or yes. may not be dead already right the future uh, for the dark universe is yeah. dark so we got a report this week from deadline a couple of days after director of bride frankenstein bill condon said to forbes that production started will, will would begin uh in february mm-hmm. the deadline revealed that universal's pulled the plug and that oh. bride frankenstein has been removed from its release date that was previously set for february 14 2019 and that they're reworking the projects. They've told like the pre-production crews that are building sets, I think in London currently, uh, to go home to wait because they're going to try to figure things out. Apparently, they the weird thing was Deadline's report didn't even said like Javier Bardem has been in talks to do this, but we saw like that big group photo in, yeah. in the summer, which I thought confirmed that he was in this movie. Sure. Um, and then Angelina Jolie is still not officially signed on to do this. And then the rap reported that if she passes, then Bill Condon wants Gal Gadot, the current Wonder Woman, to be the Bride Frankenstein instead. So, hmm. with all this news, you know, do we think Bride Frankenstein's going to happen? But also, if it does, who would we rather be the Bride of Frankenstein, Angelina or Gal? You, you're you're going to win with either one of those. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could pick a preference right off the top. Jolie, just, just like has that past of playing zany characters mm-hmm. uh, so well. But Godot is... She's a rising as, star. Yeah, she's as hot as ever in Hollywood. So, uh, Which is kind of why I wouldn't want her to do it, because I don't want her to be juggling Wonder Woman and like Bride of Frankenstein. Um, right. Plus, like the age gap between like her and Bardem, I think, is a little bit more than I would like. I mean, that's not a huge thing, but yeah. I don't know Angelina how- is still beautiful, and she's... I mean, what, probably right. two years yeah, older no, than Godot, yeah. and they're, they're closer in age range with her and Bardem. Right. And I think she still has the star power. She hasn't been in movies as much. So I'd like to see her kind of have that revival and do this if it happens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but still at the end of the day, though, I mean, Bride of Frankenstein, okay. Right. You know, even with both of those at the helm, I, I, I can't, I have a hard time looking past the, just the Universal's money-making plot here. Mm-hmm. With the only thing that they could dig up, uh, you know, with property rights too. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, so, boy. so do you do you want to see this? Do you want this movie to move forward? Uh, you, uh, sure. I'll, <laughs> I mean, I would, I would, I would see it. Gadot or Jolie um, would probably kill it in the role. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if Universal's still franchising these films. And there's going to be other elements to it that's just going to make your eyes roll. Yeah. I mean, after The Mummy, 
I'm not really eager to jump back into the dark universe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Bill Condon's a good director. I would be in- intrigued to see either Gal or Jolie take on this role. It's not one I need. Yeah. And, you know, if this eventually is canned and the mummy becomes, you know, the new Dracula untold that was supposed to kick off this monster universe. Yeah. And just doesn't, then I mean, we'll all live. So <laughs> I'm not going to lose any sleep over whether or not this movie happens or not. So for sure. Um, moving on to Venom, we've right. talked about that a couple of weeks uh, in a row. It feels like, uh, and this week Variety revealed that Jenny Slate is the latest actress to be in talks to join the movie. She will reportedly play a scientist that works for the villain's company that uh, is also involved in kind of trapping the symbiote or letting it loose, or they're involved with the symbiote in some aspect uh, but then her potential hiring also comes on the heels of 50 shades of gray and saving mr banks writer kelly marcel doing uh an update on the script it's not really you know been revealed how heavily she is in, involved in rewriting it or if it is a full rewrite or if it's just kind of a punch up to maybe give jenny slate michelle williams bigger parts or better dialogue or something so um do you want to see jenny slate take on this movie and do you have any thoughts on Kelly Marcel? I have nothing but uh, great feelings for Jenny Slate. Mm-hmm. I mean, her character in um, Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. Mona Lisa, it's one of the funniest yeah. I think that show ever produced. Uh, her brother was is good, but when they introduce her, it's just twice as hilarious. Yep. Uh, and uh, her, yeah, her and Anzi Zanzari, their rapper, when they get the store going, um, oh my Tommy's Closet, the, the best. I haven't seen her in anything serious that I can shout out the top of my head. You saw Gifted, right? Did you oh. see the Gifted? Or get just Gifted, right? Yes. Mark Webb's movie. Okay, that's right. Uh, yeah, so she was in that opposite Chris Evans. Uh, and Venom is much more... I don't see the direction of Venom will be entirely telling, but yeah, mm-hmm. she, did, she did... You know, I don't even remember her in Gifted, I'll be honest. Oh, she was so. good. She was really good. Well, then there we go. Because she played, she played the, the teacher to... Uh, that like Chris Evans eventually like gets with, and wow, I missed that. Okay, you missed that. I was like, <laughs> well, yeah, yes. Did but... you even see the movie? <laughs> okay, um, um but yeah, and like like you, big fan of Jane Slate because of the gifted, because of Parks and Rec. So if she's gonna do Venom again, it kind of goes back to what I said last week. Either they're throwing money at talented people, or they have a really solid concept that now Kelly Marcel is helping. Get, make even better yeah so i mean venom continues to look positive and this, saving mr banks is a very very good movie mm-hmm. it's probably it's probably like top five tom hanks movies oh wow. all time uh and then bj novak is in there too and and then meryl streep no uh, not, uh it's colin farrell and tom hanks and right who is the mary poppins writer oh i don't know Okay, well, I'm going to have to come up with that. But anyway, right. fantastic movie, great yes. scripts. I'm sure Kelly Marcel is going to punch up the emotions of Venom. Yeah. And if that's the case, awesome. Yep. Um, moving on to another franchise that is happening, the Avatar movies. That's We're getting right. four sequels that, as you kind of breathe, uh, like, uh, like, a, yeah. like yes. you don't really care. We get word this week from Deadline that a Titanic reunion is going to take place with Kate Winslet signing on for what they call a starring role in James Cameron's Avatar sequels. Uh, James Cameron said their character name will be Ronal, but no other details have been revealed at this time. So, I mean, Kate Winslet's 
a pretty good get. Yeah, that uh, gr- I mean, great. Uh, one of you know, her projects haven't you know been phenomenal lately, mm-hmm. but still kills it in everything she does. But does this make me excited for Avatar? A little bit, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Sigourney Weaver's already in there. Um, and then uh, Zoe Zaldana mm-hmm. as well. So those are the three kick-ass women um, that are going to probably save Cameron's film franchise. Maybe. Because I'll be honest with you. After he's, he's been having a month, or a, last September was a month for that dude just saying things <laughs> all over the place. And I've had it up to here with them. And yeah. my, my goodwill for his movies have gone out the window. Uh, but... I'm thinking about this a little bit and I noticed I'm like, Oh, could this be good? So I, you know, but what about you? What I mean, you? I mean, yeah, it's Kate Winslet. I'm not going to be like, Oh man, this is terrible news. Like, yeah, it's intriguing news. And I mean, they've obviously worked together on Titanic before, so they know to work together. They bring greatness out of each other. Uh, so the fact that they're going to pair up again now for avatar, I'm, I really want to know what her role is though, yeah. because not that I don't, want her to be one of the Navi, but I'd also, I'd rather be like a human character and get to actually see Kate Winslet. Um, but then again, if they're, if they're really wanting to push the envelope of, you know, motion capture acting and stuff, then getting somebody like Kate Winslet to do that. Right. Um, I mean, she'll be able to emote through anything and really make you believe it. So I, th- I think it, it, it's a move that makes me interested in the sequels, which is more than I could have said a couple of weeks ago. Because I don't need a sequel to Avatar. Yeah, absolutely, and you know that's a really good thing to say. If mocap has come so far, you're not going to get be able to get by anymore uh, with. I don't want to say this terribly, but like B and C list right. actors I mean, and actresses, yeah. and like you know these roles. And if you want your movies to have this, um, and I think Circus has proved this, mm-hmm. if you want your movies to have uh, gravitas to the acting, you're going to need to get people for those positions Mm -hmm. because the technology has come so far if you want to use that Mm -hmm. you gotta get you gotta you gotta shell out the cash for it yep so we'll have to wait and see i mean she i mean who else we had the news that um the guy from free the walking dead had joined a couple uh i had like a couple months ago yeah and they announced like a new young cast of like completely unknowns that are going to play like the children to um, Zoe Saldana's uh, character and uh, Jake Sully. Right. Um, so, I mean, who knows where this franchise is going? But at least, at least they got Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. So, uh, another franchise that doesn't may not know where they're going uh, is the Fast and Furious franchise. Okay. Um, even after the really good box office box box office success of the Fate of the Furious, uh, still the best titled Fast and Furious movie. Um, <laughs> But maybe one sure. of the worst. Uh, we got news this week that Fast and Furious 9 was delayed till April 10th, 2020, um, with THR saying that Justin Lin may be lining up a return to direct. Hmm. And at the time, it was not really clear why that was happening. Because, like I said, they're coming off of a billion dollar hit. Why would you not make another one two years later? Well, apparently it's because The Rock and Jason Statham are getting a spinoff. For in on July 26, 2019, <laughs> and among the contenders to possibly direct, according to Variety's Justin Kroll, is Shane Black. So, uh, we'll tackle Fast 9 first, because I think there's less to talk about there. Let's okay. get into all the Tyrese Please. rock drama right. uh, that's been happening. 
Do you care that Fast Nine has been delayed a year, and would you want to see Justin Lin come back? If just if this, I don't care that it's been delayed a year. But if Justin Lin is coming back, please. Yeah. The guy has had two. Yeah, just done two massively. Well, he's done two very good films. Mm-hmm. One of them a massive success. The other not so much. But it was still great. My favorite Star Trek film that I've ever seen. Oh, um. Wow. So if he's coming back, I will look at this Fast and Furious 9, uh, Fast and Fanine, or I don't know what you call it. <laughs> fast and Fine? Fin- I don't know. Oh, okay. okay. I'm work. done. Uh, yeah. I would I would look at that with, without rolling my eyes mm-hmm. because- Because it's Justin sh- Lin. Yeah. It's just, uh, fast and Furious 7 or Furious 7 was so good. and I, I well, That was James Wan, but- Was that James Wan? Mm-hmm. What was Lin's? Lin was did- it? Three through six. Paul, which one did Paul Walker die in? <laughs> that was seven. <laughs> that wasn't Lynn? Uh-uh. That oh, was James wow. Wan. Okay. So he did He did Tokyo Drift, then he did The Fast and The Furious, then he did Fast Five, and... Oh, man, I look so bad right now. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway... Uh, Have you seen Fast Five? No. I think I talked through that entire film. Oh, um, that's probably like the best one. Star Trek was was <laughs> I, I I loved it. Okay, yeah. I give it five out of five. Take a uh-huh. stubs. So I'm going to talk about that. And if he's going to bring what he did with those characters and that action mm-hmm. and the humor and heart back to the Fast and Furious franchise, uh, I am all about it. Yeah, I I I don't care. Like you said, that it's been delayed a year, but Lynn coming back would be I think a great get because he's the one that kind of brought this franchise up to respectable status okay. um, and being able to get people like The Rock, Kurt Russell, um, get eventually getting like Charlize Theron and getting all these bigger people that you'd like five years ago be like, these people are never going to do a Fast and Furious movie because it's a yeah. joke. But Lynn made the movies go beyond just street racing and made them about the characters and took them on into a new like adventure uh, route where like Fast Five was like a heist movie and mm-hmm. kind of ever since then they've kind of all been heist movies a little bit but to various degrees and I think that's where the strength of this franchise has been so if they're going to bring back one of their best directors to do the ninth movie that I don't really care about then I'll be more interested in it so yeah I hear you yeah, um, same here. but the spinoff news I mean we talked about Fate of the Furious mm-hmm. we reviewed it and we, we, we talked about the possibility of a spinoff happening. Would, right. would we want to see The Rock and more of Jason Statham together? And if it's them with Shane Black as a director, I think that's an incredible, you know, trio. Uh, yeah, kind of. Um, I want to see this film happen because I'm interested to see where they go with it. Right. But it needs to be something like Shaw knows bad guys and Hobbs using him for that because because. Listen, there's still the whole background of Shaw being, you know, an ex-villain who has sure. killed their friends. Uh, but I don't, I no, not Shane. No? No. He he would be wasted on a movie like this. Really? Because all the, it would just be another Fast and Furious franchise film. And, oh, I, don't, I disagree. And, and Shane is so much better than a Fast and Furious film. Uh, listen, I know the nice guys did not perform well, but I don't know anyone that's seen that movie and said, oh, that sucked. Mm-hmm. No, it was very good. Uh, yeah, he 
however he got that budget, I don't know. Probably Iron Man three, probably leverage. Uh, good for him because that that is that's a movie that's gonna you know live in infamy. I mm-hmm. think uh, in a lot of people's minds. So, but you know, I don't. I man, I don't want him to do that. Okay. Because I I'm still ultimately though not interested, even though it would be the movie I want to see. Okay. See, I I think that Shane Black would actually bring a new perspective to the fear the to the Fast and Furious universe because, like, you love Iron Man three. It's like it's your favorite Iron Man movie, right? Yes. One of your top five mm-hmm. MCU movies. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and that movie is without a doubt a Shane Black movie that just happens to be. Right. A Iron Man movie. Yes. And I think it would be the same thing for the spinoff where it would be absolutely a Shane Black movie that just happens to star The Rock and Jason Statham on some chaotic, absurd, you know, we got to find these bad guys and take oh, them down man. sort of thing. I don't and know. And the, I think, I mean, he is, a, he is a pro with yes. buddy cop movies. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you put, you put him and his like snappy fun dialogue with, the rock and jason statham on some weird adventure i don't i don't know how it i don't think there's a better director choice out there for this movie than shane black okay i'll agree with that but it's just like i I don't know him messing around with what i think the fast and furious franchise and it's at least possible spinoffs have become uh is just kind of like playing with like i don't know uh playing with fire a little bit just because those movies have become so loony, at least in terms of, you know, what they're aspiring to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that unless, unless Shane was able to actually ground this thing and make it, make it a nice guys, make it a, um, a kiss, kiss, bang, bang mm-hmm. would be cool. But I think, I think the guy's better than it. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I think that's exactly what he would do. And I, I mean, him and the rock have already announced a movie together before where they're, they're supposed to do doc Savage. Yeah together so they already want to work together and if doc savage isn't happening anytime soon or something shane black doing this if that's uh, what shane work. black has to do to get to doc savage i would play ball okay all right you're a big doc savage fan thing. no but <laughs> i like the idea of doc okay. savage okay just some like it, it's basically the rock transmitted into a you know a serial comic uh-huh so it, <laughs> shane playing with that of the the strongest smartest man in the world right. uh you know that that could be really fun okay um last bit of news we got this week uh remember gambit uh who yeah exactly <laughs> uh so fox has been trying to make this gambit movie for a while with channing tatum at the starring as the lead role and Deadline revealed this week that Gore Verbinski is working on closing a deal to direct the movie for Fox. Um, while Deadline said the deal was pretty close to happening, THR's Boris Kit said that it is far from being complete and that a crucial meeting is taking place this week. So, um, depending on who you believe, it, Gore Verbinski will or will not be directing Gambit. But okay. if he does, or if he... Yeah, if he does, would he be a good fit? My only experience with him is the Pirate Trilogy, mm-hmm. at least notable anyway. I haven't seen Cure for Wellness. Yep. So, have you? I have not. Okay. Uh, Colin saw it, and he liked it. Okay, good. I mean, and it was like a psychological thriller, mm-hmm. um, if I remember correctly. Yep. 
But the pirate trilogy would probably be closer to what a Gambit, an X-Men Gambit movie would feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have anything bad to say because the original pirate trilogy uh, are the best three films, hands mm-hmm. down. So if he's getting into it, then fantastic. I mean, because Channing Tatum can, is sort of like the more boyish Johnny Depp uh, in a lot of ways. His Him doing things on screen, whatever it is, mm-hmm. is always funny. No matter what it is, um, and I, I, the moment keeps coming back to his just his hilarious crap breakdown in Twenty Two Jump Street when he realizes <laughs> who uh, Ice T's not Ice T yeah Ice, Ice Cube's, Cube's uh, daughter is. Yes. So uh, if he's doing Gambit with a guy that loves to have fun with some of his actors, um, let's do it. I'm, yeah, I'm about it. Yeah, I I think he would be an interesting choice. Um, I'm I'm not the biggest Pirates fan, but I think that first movie is definitely the best. And he kind of he he made that movie ha- he made that movie possible, and he turned a Disneyland ride into a franchise, which yeah. is I mean, hats off for you to doing that and be able to pull that off. So if he's able to adapt years worth of comic material for for an R-rated team up heist movie or something like if that's what they're going for with this, then I think Gore would be a really interesting choice. It makes me want to seek out a cure for wellness to see what he would do with more of a thriller type movie. Uh, I haven't seen the Lone uh, Ranger or Rango, so oh, Lone Ranger and you can pass. Um I I don't I don't know if I ever will. <laughs> um yeah. maybe maybe if he uh does do this, but I mean, I think after we lost Rupert Wyatt and then Doug Lyman if they can wind up with Gore Verbinski, I think that's a pretty solid get. So. Yeah, with people jumping overboard, you know, left and right, mm-hmm. he is a solid pick. Yeah, uh, and I don't think he has any of the projects lined up, so his schedule should be clear for this movie to pick up steam quickly. So uh, that would also be a plus, uh, so we could actually maybe see Gambit happen one day. <laughs> right. um, but outside of just the director news, there was a rumor that popped up this week um, from Splash Report that Daniel Craig... Um, has maybe had conversations with Fox to be the big bad in Gambit and potentially other X-Men movies moving forward as Mr. Sinister. Uh, this was debunked by the raps Umberto Gonzalez. So just quickly, since we don't really know whether or not it's true or not, uh, would you want to see Daniel Craig have a Logan Lucky reunion with uh, Channing Tatum? Uh, yes, but do I, I mean, that doesn't sound like Craig, though. Yeah. Uh, I don't see him getting zany for mm-hmm. a role like that i also i have i have a hard time imagining that he would want to sign up for a like a lengthy contract to do multiple appearances i think he's just getting out of bond which he's had obviously he's voiced his complaints with the you know the cycle of doing franchises and stuff Mm -hmm. so and like if gambit picks up steam and Bond is supposed to come out in 2019. They would have to be filming really close together. So I don't know if the scheduling would work either. So I don't know. If it happened, I wouldn't be opposed to it. But it's not like, oh, that must happen sort of thing. So it's whatever. Um, But that's all the news we got. So uh, Josh, what are we doing next week? Well, next week, I think we're going to do a breakdown of the last, the new, the second, the last, yeah. last Jedi trailer mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be dropping tomorrow morning or night? Tomorrow night, as if we're recording. All right. Um, by the time we publish this, it'll be like 24 hours. Okay. By the time this episode goes up on like Twitter and Facebook and stuff, it'll be like 
12 hours. So Monday Night Football then? Monday Night Football. All right. At some point. Very cool. Uh, looks like it was after the first commercial break. So Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so, yeah, we're going to break down that whole trailer because when the first trailer came out for this, we talked about it for like 40 minutes, I think. Yeah. So uh, we'll have no problem doing the same, I assume, with the second trailer. If not, and maybe it underwhelms or doesn't show any new footage for whatever reason, <laughs> then maybe we'll review like the snowman or something. Yeah. But as of right now, we are going to do a Last Jedi discussion. <coughs> but, sorry, excuse me. Um, but just quickly, um, as we get out of here, is there anything specifically you want to get out of the trailer? I want to know what's up with Snoke. I just want I just want some one or two establishing shots of where is this dude? Mm-hmm. Now, I know some of the toys and merchandising has allegedly shown off some big ship that he's got out there, mm-hmm. some kind of cruiser, uh, uh, one of the older super mega superstar destroyers yep. or something like that uh, that has a name. I want, to take, I want to take a look at that. I want to see Kylo Ren and him interact face-to-face. Yep. Other than that, uh, I'm good. That's the only thing I want. Okay. I got everything else I wanted out of those other trailers. Uh, may, maybe some Finn Poe, uh, buddy stuff, and Laura Dern, uh, and Benicio Del Toro. I don't know what he's up to. Gosh. <laughs> so, so there's a lot. <laughs> I want to see the movie, Cooper. Right, but what, yeah. but what do you need out of this trailer? What do I need? What do you want? Nothing. Okay. What do I want? Yes. Uh, I would like to get a little bit more of the story. Mm-hmm. Not... You know, here's how everything's going to happen, but just a little bit of maybe what eventually leads Luke and Ray off of Octo mm-hmm. and brings them into like Canto Bites and everything else that happens in the movie. I want to see how that unfolds. Um, maybe get a tease of Luke using the Force again or wielding a lightsaber. Uh, they released like the little teases this morning. I don't know if you saw those of him actually grabbing his lightsaber back. Oh, nice. And we get to see Ray training some more. So I'm sure that'll be a heavy focus. But I also want to, you know, I want to see more of Kylo. I want to see more Phantom, Lord Durham, Benicio, everybody. Yeah. I want to see it all. There's Rose in there too, of course. Oh, so, um, man. There's a lot. And I mean, if they deliver on half of that stuff, we'll plenty to talk about next week, uh, along with all the news that's going to drop as well, assuming. Um, so if you enjoyed this episode and our review of Blade Runner 249, um, please subscribe, share, retreat, and more. Plus, hold on to to give us a five-star review with comments. Uh, whether it's a five-star review or not, leave us comments telling us what we do good. So that keeps you listening. But also, if this is your first time and you're still listening and you want to give us a review and maybe you didn't like it as much, leave us a review telling us why or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook or something. Just let us know what we can do to improve to keep you guys around and listening. Um, so we can keep doing this, but if not, and if you're, if you, if you're going to leave us a review or not, um, this is all we have for this episode. So during our time, we be sure to like toss everything covered by between us at friends of film. We use the updates on the podcast, movie news and more. You can find Percy on Twitter at coops underscore hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. And thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of the Podcast. Josh. Thanks for stopping in, everyone. Be sure to return next week for our breakdown of the Star Wars The Last Jedi official trailer. <laughs>